Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Dreamers Cup Fitness Podcast Radio Show. Coming to you on this Sunday here, post our advanced Metcon flow, or literally just melted my face off here. So if I cough intermittently, uh, I'm just trying to really get back to uh, back to normal life and get out of zombie mode, if you will. Um, quick reminders before we kick off today's episode. Uh, our 47-day transformation is kicking off here in six days and a handful of hours. It is August the 4th right now. So if you're interested in that and you are looking to work with us and really do something a little bit different and push yourself, not only physically, but uh, obviously mentally, you know, spiritually and emotionally, honestly, for that matter, uh, the 47-day transformation is for you, 47daytransformation.com. Any questions, shoot me a DM, send me an email as fast as possible. I'm traveling towards the end of the week, but I will get back to you guys as quick as I can. And I apologize to anybody for delays on DMs or emails, but literally I've been getting just, <clears throat> excuse me, there it is, crushed uh, on that front. But I will get back to each one of you one by one. That is my promise to everyone listening. With that said, today's podcast, we're doing an Instagram, uh, Facebook, YouTube uh, Q&A answer session. So all the questions that you guys um, have thrown out there that we've requested. I'm going to try to go through them one by one. Again, I apologize before I have not researched these. Uh, literally, there were so many. I'm just going to kind of read through them one by one. So some of them don't get fully answered. It's either because, hey, I, I, I don't know the answer because I'm not that smart or it's just utterly ridiculous and it's something that uh, I can't answer um, or it's inappropriate or somewhere in between. So hopefully we get some, some comedy out of this episode and uh, I'll just dig right in. So uh, again, if you guys are watching on YouTube, Right now, or Facebook, Instagram, wherever we post this, welcome. And just a reminder for everybody listening, um, a lot of the questions I get can be answered by uh, obviously just scrolling the, the podcast titles or even going to Google and, and typing in Jeremy Scott Fitness and whatever your question is. A lot of these are on YouTube. We have about 800 and I want to say 20 YouTube videos at this point. Um, tons of, of Q&A stuff. All the podcasts are on there probably after like episode 30. All of our Instagram stuff is on there. My mobility flows, which is the biggest question I get. Jeremy, do you have a mobility flow? We actually created an entire mobility foam rolling and tissue work playlist on the YouTube page. So you guys can watch that, click it, and follow along with me. I take you through my exact elevated pigeon box setup that I post on Instagram every day. I go through like kind of an inchworm world's greatest stretch kind of t-spine hip glute opener i take my wife through one actually at the track and then there's a lot of little foam rolling tips in there but if there's something that you guys want to see specifically shoot me a message we'll have our team come in we'll film it and we'll make it live for you again our youtube page is 100 percent free so for 800 plus videos of me working out and rambling on you guys can enjoy that anywhere anytime and obviously when you subscribe you're going to get the updates just like you do on the podcast so starting with the ig facebook email q a Question one, thoughts on keto? Well, JM Madria 89 we actually have a full podcast on keto, so I'm not going to waste a ton of time on it. My two cents on it, does it work? Sure. Uh, it takes out essentially an entire macronutrient, which is basically letting your body be devoid of carbohydrates, similar to carnivore, not quite as extreme on that front, but uh, does it work? Sure, because it puts you in a deficit because you're essentially not eating one whole carbohydrate or eating very little of the carbohydrates. Um, is it sustainable for most people? No. My two cents, I think the failure rate is about 99%. You might get a handful of type A people who can really you know, roll with it, rock with it, and do it for the most part, but I think most people really fail on it, um, and they, they tend to fail rather quickly. So I wouldn't suggest it for most people's lifestyle because, again, like me, I like cinnamon rolls and certain things which obviously don't fit into the keto life. But, again, give it a shot if you want to try it. Uh, 
it works for some people, but I, I think that is very few in terms of a lifestyle change, and that's what we coach and teach here. Next one, how many protein bars a day is too many? It's a good question. Um, I'm trying to think the most I've ever ate in a day. Um, this is going to be a, an embarrassing moment here. I think when I first discovered Power Crunch bars and that you could put them in the fridge, I probably, I'm sure I've eaten five in a day. That's about a thousand calories worth, and that it, that I would say is too many. Um, I like the vanilla, the salted caramel's good. If you put the put them in the freezer, that chocolate mint one tastes like Girl Scout cookies. It really does. They're like crack. I'm still waiting for for them to come out and, and tell me that they were full of shit the whole time and they're all packed with like 50 grams of sugar. But uh, jokingly, uh, how many par- protein bars a day is too many? It's a tough question to answer. I would say, you know, I'm a fan of real food and not eating a bunch of bars and shit. So if you're eating, you know, if you're a bigger person or if you're eating a ton of calories, if you're eating two a day, uh, that would probably be about the max. I think if you could keep it to one a day, that'd be ideal. But if you eat two a day and the rest of your day is perfect, I'm cool with it. Or if the if like a Power Crunch bar or an RX bar or something keeps you from eating like a full Snickers um, or like a king size Reese's peanut butter cups, then then I'm a I'm a fan of it. And I kind of look at protein bars as that. A, they're a great little supplement to the real food you're already eating. But if it's like a sweet treat, <clears throat> there the coughing is again. I would say go ahead and do it. If it keeps you from making worse choices, I'm all for you keeping it in your normal routine in your day. Next on the list, how can I lose my body weight fat fast? How can, basically, how can you lose fat fast? I don't know how you can do it fast. Faster than you know, a half a pound to a pound a week, I don't think is probably realistic for most people. If you're really obese and you lose one to two pounds of fat a week, that's cool. For the average person, half a pound to a pound a week is as fast as I would prescribe it because, again, you're making it a lifestyle at that point. It's not just some crash diet bullshit that's going to all come back on. So obviously, you know, the saying is easy come, easy go, and I believe that. And I think most things in life that are worthwhile are hard work and the things that are really special in life and really important you've had to really sacrifice and really work for and that's that's what makes them special that what what makes them important if it was super if there was a secret to do it we would all know about it i just had this conversation in the gym before some people left people will come to me and say oh here's this new revolutionary training program and diet program what do you think about it well i think it's complete horseshit because it, at it's 2019 let's be completely real here if something's amazing we at scale know about it like you know about an iphone because it's amazing you know about cinnamon rolls because they're amazing like you know about netflix because it's amazing you know about uber because it's amazing if you know about those things and they're so amazing right how would this revolutionary secret training program diet program exist but we at scale as humans wouldn't know about it yet does that make sense, everybody? Like people line up for an iPhone because it's so powerful and it's so great. We all know what it can do for us. And yet you think somehow some random guy at the gym or somebody at your school or at work is going to introduce you to some revolutionary way to drop body fat quickly or some workout that's going to do all these things that no other workouts done before. If that was the case, all of us would have fucking known about it by now because losing fat and controlling your your flesh and making you look and feel and move a certain way is more important than Netflix, Uber, and iPhone. So hopefully that drills down on you. There is no magic pill. There is no fancy shortcut. Anybody who sells you something that sounds way too good to be true in this life industry, it is too good to be true. The things that work, eating right, tracking macros, real food, training your ass off, getting quality sleep, being held accountable, wash, rinse, repeat that until the day you die. Anything short of that is too good to be true, and it's probably complete horseshit. 
On to the next question. Best way to cut belly fat, including supplements or diet? Um, the best way to do it is track your macros and to eat real food and to train hard and to get quality sleep and to stay hydrated. Um, supplements wise, I like Athletic Greens, obviously. If you guys are interested, hit me up. I'll send you a link for a 20 free pack. You can try them yourself. It's the best tasting greens out there compared to everything else. Short of that, there's a handful of other supplements I like. Probiotics, fish oils. You guys can get the brands I use. I think are great. Um, I like Biotint. I like uh, vitamin D3. Uh, what else do we have? Uh, Turmeric. There's a lot of really great things, but in terms of cutting belly fat, eat at a deficit, track your macros, keep it real food, train your ass off, get quality sleep, wash, rinse, repeat that until you look the way that you like. Next one. In addition to my daily turmeric hustle, what can I eat to help fight inflammation? Uh, great question. Uh, real food is key. Obviously, there are certain things that are acidic, and I think we get married to the idea that all inflammation is bad. We need to have some, obviously, inflammation in the body. I believe if we were devoid of all of it, we would drop dead. You can Google that as well. Um, I believe that is a, a very true statement. So some inflammation is good and is required in the body, I believe, to survive. But the chronic type of shit inflammation you're talking about, uh, I think, obviously... You know, eating fish like quality omegas in your in your life are going to help. Taking a, a probiotic is cool. Um, Turmeric is great. Athletic greens are great. Eating green vegetables is amazing. Things that are powerful in micronutrients uh, all are going to help you kind of go through. Again, uh, bone broth. You can go down the list of you things that have amino acids in them. Things that are going to combat inflammation. Again, resting, getting quality sleep. Uh, just not really putting your body in a, a toxic shitstorm of, of alcohol and drugs and booze and simple things like that. So other than you know saying eating real food and not filling your body with a bunch of sugar and booze and processed shit, um, you're on the right track. Next one, best way to maintain your body weight when you've already reached your target body fat. Just eat at maintenance, my man. Nothing more complex than that. When you're already where you want to be and you think you look like a rock star and you like where your weight is, look in the mirror every day and gauge it by that. Track your macros and make sure you're within kind of a maintenance level range and then just kind of dictate everything around that. And obviously, you know, body fat percentage, people get so hung up on it that with the scale too. I think the scale is complete uh, horseshit. Uh, body fat percentage, it, it has a place, but, you know, Everybody looks different at certain body fats. Some people at 7%, you know, look super amazing and some people look, you know, really good. I know it's that's, you know, cutting hairs, but if you think about it, somebody at 10% can look a certain way and the same person can be at 10% and you won't even believe it. And so that's why I don't get so hung up on just the body fat percentages. And for the same note, most of you guys, who cares what the body fat is? Obviously, if you're morbidly obese and you're trying to get it down to be healthy, sure. But whether your body fat is 19 or 17, whether it's 13 or 10, I don't see it as that relevant. If you like the way you look, I think that's even more important. So I would go by how you look in the mirror every single day and how you feel, how strong you are, how much endurance you have, and, and what the cost of that is with your lifestyle and how you're eating and looking is probably a good place to be. Next one, what do I recommend for women over 60? It's a pretty broad question um, in terms of what, dating or... No, I'm kidding. Uh, when you're over 60, honestly, you know, I'm going to say the same thing. I think it's the same thing when you're 20. Eat real food. Train as hard as you can in the context of what you can do and what your goals are. Get quality sleep. Be mindful of that. Wash, rinse, repeat. Obviously, at 60, you're going to have some issues that somebody at 25 is not going to have. Uh, typically, there might be some arthritis going on. Um, I'm sure at some point, you've probably had some sort of injury uh, you know, some imbalances in the body. So really just understanding, you know, what you're trying to do and, and what the scope of it is. Obviously, I'm almost 36 years old, which is crazy to say, so I'm closer to 40 than I am to 30. 
And uh, there's there's shit that I can't do now. I'll put it this way: there's I can do all the same things I could do at 26, but the question I ask myself now is why? At what cost? And is the juice worth the squeeze? And uh, the, the example I give is I was out. Um, in Newport Beach about a, uh, two weeks ago now and uh, sprinting with the CISFIT girls and you know she is a former division one college sprinter and uh, I'm still fast I'm big I'm way bigger than I used to be but I'm still quick I got a motor and if I really turn it on can I sprint with her yeah for sure and can I beat her some of the stuff yes most definitely but something's going to go if I continue to do that I am too big and too old to be doing that kind of stuff anymore. And not that I can't, but why risk ripping a calf? Why risk, you know, pulling a hamstring? Why risk doing something when the payoff isn't that much? What so my ego can win, so my pride can win. And that's kind of how I look at the gym at this point. There's a lot of things I can do strength wise. I'm I'm still, you know, for me I feel really strong. And there's a lot of weight I can pick up and throw around. But I know that has a time frame on it. And unless I'm doing it for a certain payoff, I don't see the risk reward. Like for me, always to go heavy on split squats. If I always grabbing 100 pound dumbbells in each hand and banging out the reps, it's going to cost my joints, you know, whether it's the knee, hip, or the ankle, more likely probably the knee because it's stuck between the two shitty joints, the ankle and the hip. Something's going to happen. And why? If I can elicit the same response using a lighter load or messing with the tempo or the volume, I'm going to do that. So as I age, like you guys, whether you're 60 or not, I would just be very smart about how you load. And you can do a lot of damage with body weight, controlling the tempos and speeds and, and, and messing with the rep schemes and the patterns. And again, if is our goal to, to be super strong or to look like we're super strong? Is our goal just performance-based or at this point in our life for most of us, is it vanity-based? Only you can answer that. Obviously, I'm not trying to be, you know, the next Iron Man, or I'm not trying to, you know, step on stage and win a bodybuilding show anymore, and I'm not trying to qualify for the CrossFit Games. I just want to look good, move good, and feel good. And yeah, when I come in here on Sundays, I want to push people, and I want them to be able to push me, but I swallow my pride. If, if somebody beats me on a bike or ski or row or, or deadlift or something, then respect to you. It's cool. I just want to look good and be able to live to train another day, and I hope you guys take kind of the same approach to it. Live to train another day. Next one, what micronutrients are essential for recovery? Uh, honestly, I think everything. I just think, you know, you can't you can't go wrong in terms of that. I think in terms of recovery, uh, the, the biggest thing people can do is just, you know, get quality sleep. It, it really is. It's overlooked. And just be, be mindful of your day and, and don't put undue stress on your life. And I know this ties around to everything I always talk about. People ask us, you know, hey, I want to be super lean and super fit. What do you suggest I do? I'm like, it's so much bigger than just training and just macros. It goes into your entire lifestyle. You know, obviously, if you have three kids and, you know, student loans and a giant mortgage and a car payment, and that's going to take away from you being lean and being able to recover and being healthy and being happy. That's why I talk about it. I'm not telling you guys how to spend your money and spend your time. It's your life. You do what you want. You're grown-ass adults. But obviously, this is my show and my opinion I am the expert on. I see a lot of people here who would be so much happier and they'd be way fitter if they just lived in a smaller house or a less expensive house, I should say. They would be so much happier and so much fitter and so much freer in their mind if they just traded in their fancy-ass car and drove a fucking Camry. They would be so much happier and so much fitter if they left their high-stress job of making 287000 bucks a year and took a job and made $67,000 a year. 
but they're married to certain ideals and certain things. And, and it's hard for me to sit across from somebody that I care about and I like because everybody who comes here, I think they're amazing people. Uh, and they're very talented and they're very great at what they do in certain things. But I'm seeing them suffering and it's hard for me to verbalize it to say, hey, if you made some major life changes, you'd be fitter, healthier, and happier, and it'd be easier for you. Now, you can't take the same fancy trips. You might not be able to go to the same. You, you, might, you probably can't eat at Mastro's three nights a week and spend 300 bucks on dinner, but you're going to be fitter. You're going to be healthier. You're going to live a better lifestyle. So to me, that's a huge part of recovery and being able to be the fittest person you can be. I know it's kind of off topic for the question. And I speak about it so passionately because I see it and I believe it. And there's certain things I can do in my life with, you know, I've been very blessed at this point to be able to do this. I can live different places than I ever thought I could live. I can drive different vehicles than I ever thought I could drive. And I'm not saying at some point I'll never do some of those things, but I'm only going to do it if it's not going to cause me stress and pain and cause me to be able to work out less or not have my mind be free. And the reason I say it is because when your mind is so wrapped up in those 19 things, it's very hard for you to be able to relax and to give fitness and training. And just what, I, what I'm saying is when we talk about fitness, it's all the four pillars, the physical, mental, spiritual, and emotional. And when your brain is always running 19 different ways and you're worried about all this shit, the last thing on your list is like you just tracking macros. The last thing on your list is just you being mindful and having an hour just to go for a walk and just to relax. I do think we have really made a mistake in America. We're fucking up at a level that is just honestly, it's embarrassing that we think we have to have all this shit. And I'm, again, I'm not against the stuff, but when it's costing you your health, when it's costing you time, when it's costing you sleep, when it's costing you peace of mind, you're never going to be in the shape that you want to be in if you're worried about all that shit going on on the outside. Again, that's just my two cents. Simplify your life for more happiness and more health. And the byproduct is when you can do that, some of the other stuff will come. And I think when you look at us anyway, we've all got confused about what, where we have to live and, and what we have to drive. We're overcompensating in those areas to, to fill some void or to look fancy for other people. And I just think it's utterly ridiculous. And the, the cool thing is, is when you're super fit and you're healthy and you feel a certain way, you can drive up to a, a place in a 2008 Honda Accord and you can walk into a room wearing gym clothes but you feel like a fucking rock star because there's this power in you that you can control your body and you can do what you do and other people can't do that. And that's my own personal takeaway. Next one. What are the worst fake healthy foods out there? Well, that's a good one. Um, you know, I think just sometimes when things are labeled, you know, organic or if they're labeled gluten-free or if they're labeled health food or fitness foods, things that have those sayings on there. I'm not saying they can't be healthy and good, but a lot of times they're masking uh, the shit that's going on inside of it. And everything's organic isn't great. Everything that's gluten-free isn't great. Everything that's paleo isn't great. And they do that to, to get you to buy things to make you feel like you're making a correct choice. I think that's why we harp on tracking macros so much because it is energy systems in and energy systems out. I mean, like, you know, is there a surplus? Is there a deficit? And that's what, you know, fat loss and, and weight loss comes down to. So there's a lot of those foods out there. I think obviously if you're, you're focusing on eating real food, you're going to be making a better choice. But I would just be very mindful when you read something, when you're looking at the ingredients, how much sugar's in it, how much fat is in it, where does the sugar and fat come from, where does that fall in line with like the fiber and the proteins in there, and where does that fit into your day. So I don't have any specific questions. We can do a full podcast on that in all reality, which I probably will. Um, actually, let me make a note here on fake healthy foods, and we can get one done for that. So great question. What's a good... <clears throat> 
Nutrition if you have a high white blood cells. What is a good nutrition plan if you have high white blood cells? That I do not know, Joe Fitness 12. Uh, you, you stumped me there. I'll, I'll look into something else. Where do you start with an overweight client? In a reality, uh, where we start with everybody, um, we have them come in and, and just really, depending on what they can do, we, we go through a basic assessment here, um, see what they can do physically, regress all the movements, you know, how we teach our group stuff here, my level one, my grandma can basically do. So that's where we start with those guys. There is some people we meet who cannot do the group setting, whether that be for, mentally, they're just not ready to do it and they feel embarrassed about their weight or how they move. Um, but more often than not, it's just they, they can't get into the postures. They can't get into the transitions. And so what I'm saying is when we have somebody who's like 350 pounds, 400 pounds, and they have terrible mobility, it's not that they can't do our group training workouts. They can't do the transitions fast enough. So what I'm saying is they come in and we have them do a bodyweight squat. We have them do a TRX row. We have them do just a basic glute bridge from the floor. And then the problem is they can't get down to the floor or they can't get up fast enough from the glute bridge to go to the next spot, which is maybe like to ski or something. So it's the transition for them. When you're super obese, it's really hard to tie your shoes, get on and off the toilet, get out of bed, do normal human shit. So for those guys, we'll start with them individually. We work everything on a progression regression scale, and then we move through space from there. In terms of eating, we, we do shallow and deep, and we have them track their food in my fitness pal. We see what they're doing for maybe five days, kind of get a, a snapshot of what, what has put them in this mold. And then from there, we meet them somewhere in the middle. Because if I suggest macro ranges so far left and they're so far right, they're going to want to you know headbutt the wall because it's going to be too hard. So we coach it week by week. We have them meet in the middle. And just really do slow changes. If they're drinking, you know, 50 sodas a week, I'm not going to, you know, I'll tell them soda is shit for you, but I don't expect them to go from, you know, eating fast food three times a day and drinking 50 sodas to zero in a heartbeat. But if they can go, you know, shallow and deep and hey, man, if you're used to doing, you know, fast food three times a day, maybe just do it once a day. Maybe just do it, you know, twice a week or whatever it is. We we kind of coach them, and depending on who the person is. If they can go cold turkey, that's great. Some people can, some people can't. So it's knowing the individual, and that's why we call it personal training. Even when it's group training, it's it's group personal training. It's every person's individualized. We let them kind of ebb and flow and pick their spots, and I think that's what you know any great coaching program should have. Next one, larger impact on a th- aesthetic and performance nutrient timing or total caloric intake in terms of how you look i would have to say that it's total calorie intake for sure in terms of performance i probably still would go calorie intake with a slash the timing will matter in terms of your performing now obviously performance is very broad i don't know if you're talking about swimming biking running if you're a triathlete if you're a bodybuilder whatever it may be uh, but I think overall, if you're trying to look a certain way, for for you guys out there generally, I don't think meal timing is that important. I'm, there is certain things you can do pre and post workout. I understand that. But in, in the scope of a day, even if the times were messed up, but the overall macros and calorie intake was in check, that is more important than the timing of the meals. I've heard people say all the time, oh, you have to eat right after you work out or you'll lose all your gains or you'll do blah, blah, blah. Um, I got done with today's workout at probably like 11... 46 47 maybe 12 o'clock at the latest but i think it was about 11 40 ish uh and it's 220 right now and i haven't eaten yet and trust me if you're watching me on youtube you can still see my gains are here i haven't lost all my muscle so i don't i don't buy into that there is certain things that that do matter but for most of you if you're trying to look a certain way overall macros and calorie intake are far more important than meal timing next one tips for eating enough calories while intermittent fasting just eat the food uh that's it 
Honestly, it's tough. I don't know what to tell you for that one. If you guys are intermittent fasting and you're finding you're not eating enough calories, you could make the window bigger. Uh, you could eat more meals. I don't know. I, you know, Typically, we recommend intermittent fasting for people um, as a fat loss protocol because it's limiting the amount of eating time that's going on in a day. And uh, I eat two bigger meals. That works for me. Some days, honestly, like today, I probably only eat one meal because it's just kind of how my day is going to play out. And I'm okay with that. And uh, if you guys are struggling to do that, I would say either eat a bigger meals or obviously if it's meal frequency or just extend your fasting window if you do find yourself struggling. Maybe give you an extra hour at the end of the night or an extra hour in the morning, whatever works. But that would be my two cents. Tips and tricks to eating while traveling. Avoiding some foods. Eat what's available. Uh, Decker Davis Fit. I have a video, my man, on... uh, my page where I do all my travel stuff um, that I bring with me. That's what I do. Um, and then obviously I eat that stuff in the worst case scenario. So when I get somewhere, I always try to Google, is there a Whole Foods? Is there like a natural grocery? Is there some type of place I can stop and go? And usually before that, um, I Google where I'm going to stay at hotel wise and what's close in the area and what choices I'm going to make. Or if I know I want to go do something where uh, if we're in Newport Beach and I want to go to like Javier's or something or Malibu Farms or, or Mastro's or whatever it is, um, I'll plan ahead of that and I know that's going to happen and come up. Or I know if it's my favorite breakfast place or my favorite lunch place, I'm going to make that fit into my day. But I always pack with me, you know, like protein candy, Power Crunch bars, you know, uh, the almond butter packets, certain things that are going to save me and buy me space so I, I'm not stuck, you know, uh, being a slave to the, the food that's around me. I think that tends to work best for me. Next one. Is it bad to eat a lot of foods that are the same and still hit your macros? Is too many eggs bad? Jeremy Crosby? No, I don't think so. I don't think you can go wrong eating eggs every single day. And if you want to eat the same stuff over and over and over again and you feel good doing it and it's inside your macro ranges and you like the way that you look and move, I'm all for it. I I don't see any problem with that. Eventually, you'll get sick of it like we all do. I tend to go in like three to six month spans where I'll eat the same you know, lunch and essentially the same dinner for like three to six months at a time. And then I'll be like, all of a sudden one day it'll switch and I'll do that for the next three to six months. And uh, that's kind of how my wife and I do it. We keep things very simple. I think in life, the more you can simplify your choices, uh, the more successful you're going to be. Next one. Are there any healthy microwave meals or meals that can be done in a pinch? Microwave meals? I don't know. I don't do any microwave done stuff really other than uh, cauliflower rice. We do the bird's eye. They have like a roasted garlic and an herb one as well. I don't like the plain one. I think it's really basic, but, uh, bird's eye does a great cauliflower rice in a bag. You throw it in the microwave for four minutes, take it out. Boom. We do that. I cook up some eggs, cut up chicken sausage, throw some cottage cheese on there. Boom. Meal is done. Uh, we do a lot of that kind of stuff at our house. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of really quick stuff you can do. Um, I just don't know in terms of straight microwavable, I would say probably that's not ideal, but again, just making eggs and like cutting up chicken sausage takes all of about five minutes. And that's a really easy go-to or it doesn't have to be that. It could be steak or chicken, you name it, but uh, that stuff's really basic. Next one, debunking popular food myths. Um, I guess I'll get to that one in a, I'll get that one at the end of the podcast. I'll, I'll go into just a handful of things and just, just some horseshit stuff that's out there to hopefully help you guys. Next one, uh, running a fitness business. We already did a full podcast on running a fitness business and like why owning a gym sucks. There's two different ones you guys can give a listen to. Um, see what you think. How to fix skinny fat. Uh, again, just give it time. If you're skinny fat at this point, you know I, I think it's better than being you know obese fat. I think you have a, a better route for sure. But just really just training, having under, 
understanding of nutrition and just giving it time, being patient. Everybody wants to be, you know, big and jacked and shredded all at once. Or if it's females, I mean, generally speaking here, they always want to be, you know, lean or ripped or quote unquote toned. And they want it to happen in two seconds. Just give it time, man. It takes a long time to build a really amazing body. And even once you get it, it takes every effort to maintain and keep it going. So just be patient and uh, understand, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day and an amazing body wasn't either. Anybody you see who looks really good, I don't just mean like, oh, they're in pretty good shape. I mean, somebody who like you look up to and you're like, wow, they look really great. They're super fit. They've worked their ass off for it, dude. And they continue to work their ass off for it every single day to keep it. And to think that you'd have the audacity to do it way quicker than them is, uh, it's just not realistic. Next one, uh, best ways to restart a workout program after completing an injury. Obviously, going through your doctor, your physician, going through PT, I think is great. And then uh, just my two cents, starting really slow. Basic stuff, mobility, body weight, taking your time, not pushing it too fast, too hard. Again, just just being very patient with it and understanding what you can do and, and why you're doing it and what you want to get out of the movements. Next question, figure out what kind of training to be done once you're done being a college athlete. Uh, it just depends on your, <clears throat> excuse me, on your goal, what you really want to do and, and, and what you're trying to get out of it. I mean, that's probably the biggest thing. You know, when I was done with college, um, we're going to find a path. I loved uh, bodybuilding even as a little kid. And so that's kind of the training I gravitated to. I would always do the athletic stuff. I could still go play basketball. We'd go through, you know, some of the drills that we would learn, you know, through strength and conditioning and through just, you know, playing college sports. There's a lot of stuff that, you know, I, I grew up playing baseball and football and basketball. So there's a lot of footwork drills. There's a lot of conditioning things that we went through that I still integrate into our training here in certain points. I'm probably not going to go out and run a ton of suicides, even though it's a great a great conditioning drill, even though it is straight misery. Uh, there's a lot of that stuff. So pick, picking your goal, what is it? Do you want to focus on performance, aesthetics, or somewhere in between? Do you have a goal outside of that? Do you want to do the Spartan races? Do you want to get into CrossFit? Do you want to get into bodybuilding? Do you want to get into bike racing or you know triathlons? You have to answer that question. And once you know what the goal is, it's a lot easier to pick the track in terms of what you're going to invest your time into in terms of training. Next one is... Let's see where I'm at here. Mobility, flexibility tips. Again, like I mentioned, we have a full mobility playlist on our YouTube page. You guys can give that a shot. Also on our IGTV, I have a bunch of mobility stuff on there as well. So check that out. If you have specific questions from there, I'm happy to make more videos. But mobility stuff is really tough to do uh, via podcast. Next one, ways to beat sugar addiction. Uh, Depends on what the sugar addiction is. Uh, Again, we... I've not ate real ice cream in, I would say, probably about six years, which is embarrassing because I want to. I still have never been to Baked Bear, uh, and my birthday's coming up, so maybe I'll go to Baked Bear on my birthday. Um, that might be on my list. I just don't want to be sick, but man, it looks those cookies and the ice cream and the brownies look really good, dude. I'm hungry just thinking about it. But uh, So the point of me sharing that is so ice cream stuff, we do Halo Top and Enlightened a lot at our house. That has saved us from going to like frozen yogurt places and the ice cream places like Dairy Queen or Cold Stone. Man, uh, Cold Stone is addicting. When you walk into Cold Stone, the smell, it's like... I mean, it's like cocaine, dude. It's like you're, it's like you're high off it, and it's like you get what I used to get: birthday cake remix, and it either it comes with cookie dough or it comes with a brownie, or no, it comes with a cookie dough or a brownie, and then we would add cookie dough or brownie. My wife introduced me to that one. It was probably when the first time I ever went to Cold Stone. I was 26, 27 years old, probably. 
my wife has been a bad influence on me in a lot, a lot, a lot of ways. But uh, anyway, I digress. Uh, we haven't been to those places because we will do Halo Top and Enlighten so often. I think those are, are great ways to help. Again, like I mentioned, the Power Crunch bars are like crack. They're like five grams of sugar a piece. They do help a lot. Um, again, are they perfect answers? No. Uh, but they do help a ton. And I also will do like, you know, Powerade Zeros, Gatorade Zeros, and people are going to chime in and say, holy shit, Jeremy, they're full, it's full of sucralose, it's going to kill you. Again, anybody listening, please send me some legitimate, uh, you know, scientific research that shows that sucralose is killing humans out there and, and it's causing us cancer. I'll fucking wait because it doesn't exist. You can probably find something that says if we fed rats sucralose, at like five to 10,000 times the normal dosage, you could maybe give rats cancer, but not us humans. And if I'm drinking two gallons of water a day and I'm drinking, you know, 30 to 40 ounces of Powerade Zero, I think I'm going to be okay. At just, just my soapbox there. Point being is those things can help with the sugar addiction. I like things like peanut butter, nut butters, even like throwing in a piece of fruit a day uh, can go a long way. That's kind of been what's helped me. Um, I don't have a, a crazy sweet tooth. My wife way more so than I. She does dark chocolate as well, um, but she's been really gangster with it lately and has done a great job of, of not having sweets and not, and not keeping it at the house. Don't keep these things in your home, and if you do that, you're going to be successful. If you keep the shit in your house, you're more likely to eat it. At least that's uh, been helpful for us. How to stay in a routine and keeping up once being uh, fit once you get injured. Right, once you're injured, obviously, you know, go through the injury, go through the resting protocols, and then obviously, like I said earlier, you know, start back slowly. And if you have an upper body injury, you know, you can still train lower body and, and vice versa. I think working around it in a really safe, smart context, doing what you can do is going to go a long way in terms of when you can actually come back and go full force again. The true nutrition of powder greens versus real greens. Honestly, uh, it's a tough one. I don't know if we have enough research. There might be stuff out there I haven't seen it uh, that dictates that. Here's what I would tell people. Always eat real food anytime you can. Eat as many vegetables as you can in a day that don't make you feel bloated, gross, disgusting, and cause you um, a crazy amount of gas to be leaking out of your butts. So you're not crop dusting your office and all your co-workers hate you. Or don't hotbox, what do they call it, Dutch oven, when you fart under the covers with your husband or wife. I'm being with you. Heather, don't be mad. My wife will do that shit sometimes. And like, I love my wife, and she's great, and she's beautiful, and she's amazing, and she's super smart. And uh, I'm lucky to be with her. But sometimes she will fart uh, in bed and, like, not say anything. Like, if you say something, I'm totally cool with it. Like, that's awesome and I'm fine with it. But she'll sometimes do it and, like, not say anything. And that's, like, the worst. When all of a sudden it's, like, this seeping, you know, I picture, like, the seeping, like, baby poop steam coming out of the sheets, like, hits you in the face. Like, what the is that? And, uh, Anyways, what was the point of my question here? Oh, point being is when you eat too many when you eat too many uh, green vegetables, that can happen. Or eat too many vegetables in general, we can get bloated and become gross. Like I can't eat a ton of broccoli at scale. I'll get gassy. If my wife does Brussels sprouts, she gets gassy. Like a lot of people do. So I'm a fan of real food and greens. My problem is if we were really to eat as many you know, greens and, and fruits, especially that we're supposed to, I think we'd go way over our sugar count for the day. Um, most of us, because we eat more fruits than probably greens. And if we're really to eat as many vegetables as we can, we would have a really hard time digesting it and putting that out. So that's why I do like a powder greens, especially when I travel and I'm on the go, cause I'm not going to be able to eat as many servings as I can. So my answer to the question is always eat real greens when possible. 
obviously not to the point of where it makes you feel uncomfortable digestion wise. And then having a powder greens, I think is always going to be your, uh, your safety net, you know, is going to be something that's going to help you cover the nutritional basis. And it's going to give you more of what you need because we're busy. We're humans in 2019. None of us are making time to eat that many greens per day. So I do think powder greens are the answer, uh, to cover the gaps that we are missing, uh, in our food. Next one, food labels and how to know good ingredients from bad ingredients. Honestly, you know, we give out a food label here for people. What I say is when you look at macros, ask yourself how much protein's in this, how much fat's in this, and what are the carbs in this? So what am I eating it for? Am I eating it for protein, carbs, or fats, or for a mix of them? And what's the sugar inside this product? Where does the sugar come from? Why is it there? How much fiber is in it? And what is the point of me eating this when I look at a label? And I, I'm not saying like, oh, if you can't pronounce it, you can't eat it, because if we really broke down like everything that makes up a banana, it, we won't be able to pronounce it. So that, I think some of that is fear-mongering and just crazy talk. But knowing is most of it made up of real food and what are the, the major ingredients inside what you're eating. And if it's some crazy stuff you don't know what it is, go ahead and Google it and just take a look. Obviously, with our phones, we're literally like we're geniuses, so we can figure a lot of stuff out that we didn't know before. So give that a shot. And uh, if, if it sounds crazy and it looks like some ingredient that shouldn't be there, then uh, maybe you shouldn't be putting it in your body. Next question, lifting, general exercise in the morning while fasting and not planning on breaking the fast. As the question is, I mean, go ahead and work out. I don't see why you have to eat breakfast. And if you're really worried about the post-workout stuff, stealing the gains, eat after the workout. I mean, I don't think it has to be within 20, 30 minutes. I think you have a little bit more time than people say. But uh, I'm a fan of, you know, the people here I see to be successful, they do work out early. The people who come in at 5 and 6 a.m., they're the diehards, man. They don't make excuses. They just come in, rip the workout, and they're good to go. Um, in a perfect world, I don't know if I'd train early in the morning, even if I could. I have probably two or three times in the last couple of years just because of travel schedule, but I rarely ever get to because obviously we're up, we're early and we're working. And uh, But again, if you can train early, I'm all for it. And I think training fast is fine. I train late in the day and I train fasted. I feel best that way. It's not for everybody, but it, it uh, definitely works for me. Next one, I'd love to know the vitamins and supplements you take and when I take them. Well, Matt, uh, I have a free supplement guide if you want it. Anybody listening, I will send you our free supplement guide. It's basically kind of everything I take in a nutshell. I take most. I take my athletic greens before my first meal usually. Um, sometimes I'll take it early in the day depending on how I'm feeling. But for the most part, I'll take athletic greens before I eat meal one. I actually mix it while I'm getting ready for meal number one. And then I drink it and then I eat my food. Or sometimes I will mix in a protein shake if I do do that. Uh, rarely do I do the shakes, but once in a great while I will. So again, obviously protein powder will be part of it. And again, I mentioned the supplements I do take earlier. And uh, I, I do think, you know, the greens are probably the biggest one for me. And obviously, you know, uh, probiotics on top of that, I don't think you need to take that on top of the athletic greens, but I do. I like to cover the bases. And then obviously uh, with my biotin, with turmeric, with fish oils, those are, are probably the big things. And a vitamin D3, just because I have been deficient before twice um, when I've got my blood work done in the last 10 years, even though I do live in Arizona, I work inside most of the day, so I don't get as much sun as I would like. Next one, is diet more important than cardio when getting ripped? Yes, I think diet and nutrition is the key to everything across the board. I meet a lot of people here who are cardio junkies. They work out every single day, and yet they're nowhere near as lean as they want to be because they eat like complete shit. Now, I do think the aerobic work is very important. I think lifting 
and the aerobic work and the nutrition and the sleeping is all wrapped up into it. But if I only had to pick one, I would say your nutrition is more important than just sweating, especially because when people do their aerobic work, sometimes they're doing the wrong aerobic work or they're not doing enough of it or they're doing it differently than we would prescribe. And uh, then when you eat like shit and you're not doing the, the correct aerobic work with strength training, it's uh, it's not going to make that big of a difference. Next one, macro ratios for lean bulking. Dude, it, it just depends on how much you weigh and what your current weight is, what, what your current goal is uh, training-wise, what you want to do weight-wise. There's so many things that go into that. Um, there's really not a way I can answer that. Next one, when tracking calories, do you eat back calories you use during exercise and for your goal weight if it's weight loss? Uh, answer is no. We don't. We tell our people never to track uh the exercise in my fitness pal. I don't care how many calories you think you thought you burned in the workout or you think you're burning in your workouts. I don't give a shit. I think a lot of those apps are completely wrong. I don't think they're giving you a realistic scope of it. I think it gives people, you know, literally uh, kind of like a pass to, to eat more shit because they worked out. So say, well, I did a, I burned a thousand calories in this workout so I can eat an extra thousand calories. No, I don't think that is correct. Uh, I do think there is such thing as like damage control. And I do think you can, you know, Put yourself in a deficit by exercising a ton, but I don't think it's a healthy practice to add back all the calories that you think you burned to fit into your macros for the day. We set them based on just what the people, what they weigh and what their goal is, but I do not believe to, you know, kind of offset by the eating. I'm just not a fan of that in general. I think it leads to bad habits and it goes down a really, you know, a slippery slope, if you will. My views on CrossFit games, benefits and dangers of CrossFit training as the CrossFit games on right about now, actually. I believe the finals are finishing up. Uh, my take on CrossFit and the games, the games, it's it's for athletes. It's for extreme athletes, people who have dedicated their life to it at this point. You can't just be a part-time uh, CrossFit games person. you got to really go all in and make it your life. I had Colleen Fosh on the podcast. I think Colleen made it to the second day, and then she got cut. She's a gangster. She's a rock star. I will have her back on the podcast. I do want to hear about her experience being an individual at the CrossFit games this year. She is a gangster, um, and for her, it works out. And she's, she's dedicated the last, you know, probably five, six years of her life to it. And she's went all in on it. That's all she does. Obviously, she's studying to get her master's degree, but uh, she doesn't have a job on top of that. She's, she she literally trains for two blocks behind me, you guys, every single day, two or three sessions a day, basically every day. It is her life. And she is an extreme athlete and she is a freak. And uh, it is impressive what she does. And for the average person, they're not going to scratch the surface of what she's doing. And so I think the CrossFit Games is an extreme sport. I think it's cool. I look at it just like, you know, the X Games, like the people who do uh, skateboard stuff and the bicycle stuff. I, I view it the same. It's for a very small population of people who are really talented and have given up their life for it and train a certain way. General CrossFit dangers, uh, I think there's a ton, like with any kind of sport or training, but CrossFit more so just for the fact of the coaching has to be really good. And it's the responsibility of the coaches and the boxes and the programs to put these people in positions to be successful. And I get a lot of people who come in here and they've been, you know, doing ollie lifts overhead, you know, with weight, and they don't even know what the fuck they're doing. They don't know how to Olympic lift for shit. It looks like garbage. Um, they're doing things that are way too heavy, way too fast with really sloppy form, and that's when they get hurt because they're fatigued and they're trying to chase, you know, a time or rep numbers or compete with the people in the gym, and they're not really focused on proper form proper loading and actually swallowing their ego and swallowing their pride and doing the shit that is going to make them better and going to make them feel better and be stronger as opposed to I'm just trying to be on the leaderboard like and they're sacrificing form and they're sacrificing their health and their joints for what 
like to to say you're the fittest person in your box nobody gives a shit and i'm not saying this to be negative it's just the truth like nobody cares if i can deadlift 600 pounds or 500 pounds like it's irrelevant like if it matters to me then cool but i'm not going to come here and do our sunday mat con which again we don't do ollie lifting at scale here i don't think it can be taught in huge groups at least by me it can't i'm not that talented of a coach we can teach simpler things at scale for sure but we don't do things here that put people in, in bad postures and positions because I think my goal as a coach and as a, a fitness professional and as a gym owner and a business owner is to put these guys in places where they're not going to be hurt, where they're going to be better, when they're going to do what they're supposed to do. And I think a lot of people in the CrossFit world just get really caught up in, you know, oh, well, the games people do this. I'm like, well, yeah, well, LeBron James does a lot of shit too, and I'm not going to do the same stuff. And that's how you have to look at it. I think it's hard because you see like a Rich Froning or you see a Matt Frazier or you see a a Colleen Fosh or a, a Toomey or somebody, and you're like, well, well, they look similar to me. I'm like, nah, dude. You might look similar as humans, but they're not. You're not like them. They're not like you. And in basketball and football, it's easier because like you know you don't look like Adrian Peterson. You know you don't look like LeBron James. But in CrossFit, it's like you look more similar, so you think you can do what they do, and you just can't, man. And it's their whole life. Like you can't expect to compete with them when you're doing when you're working at Bank of America 40 hours a week. This isn't going to happen. Next one, keto versus low-carb versus balancing macro eating. Honestly, they all have their place. It's whatever works for you. Honestly, I like the the macro base, and I typically eat a lower-carbohydrate, higher-fat diet. That works for me and my body type because I know the carbs can get out of hand real quick. But it really just comes down to you, what you can make a lifestyle, what makes you feel healthy and happy, and what you can do you know, sustainable for a long time, not just for three to six months. What can you do for you know the next 30 years of your life? That's what I would say go with. And for most people, I think that's a balance of all the macronutrients. Next one, my thoughts on exercise um, helping with treatment for depression. Uh, I'm not a doctor, clearly. I'm not that smart. Just a dude in a warehouse who loves fitness. Uh, I do think exercise can help with a lot of that stuff. Now, again, this is not my medical opinion. Don't take this and and run with it as like a it's gonna be it's gonna be a cure for depression. But I do think the more physically active you can be in community with people, moving your body and sweating, it does make you feel good. There's a lot of days, you guys, where I feel like shit um, physically um, and maybe even mentally and, and emotionally too. I'm a human. I'm just like you guys. I have shitty days. Um, it's just part of it. But I do always feel better once I work out and once I train. It's kind of like my my release. If it's endorphins releasing in my body, you're just feeling good by sweating or feeling a sense of accomplishment. It really it really does help me feel better. Next one, your exact nutrition plan and everything about it, macros, calories, whatever. I have a podcast on called my day of eating or why or how I eat or why I eat or something like that. And then obviously I share my training with you as well. So that uh, is there and available. And again, I share with you as much details as possible. So you guys give that a listen if you really care about what I eat today. It's really boring. And uh, what works for me is not going to work for you. I promise you that. And how I train is, is probably not how you should train unless you and I have the same goal. And I run one program a year of my exact training for 35 days. So you guys can try it if you choose to. But for the most part, I don't think most of you would want to live my life. And that's not saying my life isn't awesome. I think it's fucking great and I love it. But again, I am not built probably like a lot of you uh, mentally and physically, and I don't think you're willing to endure and do a lot of the stuff that I'm willing to do to be here. Uh, Just my two cents on that. Next one, balancing fitness and parenting. Well, I'm not a parent, but I do see a lot of parents come in here and be complete rock stars and be amazing. And so 
what I would say is this. Uh, the ones I see be most successful, they do it as a team. Uh, the husband and the wife are both on board in some capacity, although I do see a lot of solo parents as well who do it great. What I mean is like one parent doesn't give a shit about their health and training and one really does. You can be successful if you are the alpha in that area. Otherwise, I think it works best when the husband and wife are both on board. They can kind of play off each other and they help you know, lift each other up and one doesn't drag the other down. And I tend to see the parents here who make it a priority and they carve it into the day, whether they have to drag their kid here or if they come early in the morning before the kid gets up. And I do tend to see people who are here early tend to be really, really successful. Not that the people who come later in the day don't either, but... Uh, I just think when you can build it into the day and have no excuses and, and really prioritize it into your life and understand that, you know, you can miss a couple things for your kids stuff and uh, and take care of yourself. And, and again, I'm not a parent, so I'm not telling you guys how to, to parent run your life. But what I would say is this, I, w- I, would, I would hope that my mom and dad did some things for themselves and didn't just do fucking everything for me. Because if they're doing that, then they're miserable and they're pissed off and they're probably mad that I'm around them and then I become a problem or I become the thing that's holding them back and I would never want to do that as a kid and it's kind of like when you're in the airplane when the masks come down like you put your mask on first and I think we have to do that as people because when you're suffering and when you're fit and you're you don't like how your clothes fit and how you feel and you're depressed your kids see that they feel that they know that even if you're not saying it's like they they can sense it like we're not fucking stupid like as a kid I could tell when my parents were suffering or struggling when things were wrong even if they didn't say it and, and the, the phrase is you know more is caught than taught so even though you're teaching the right stuff they catch things they catch your interactions of if you're working out and if you're eating right and if you're depressed and if you're sad so I do think it, it can be done I see a lot of rock star people here who do it really well but again I do think it's better when the husband and wife both can be on board as opposed to just one person Next one, portion control. When you know the right portions for your body. Again, that goes down to tracking macros. If you grab a food scale or measure stuff out, at least at first, I'm not saying you have to do that stuff forever, but uh, I do think it's important to track things at least at first and be weigh some things out um, because it does uh, make a difference. Next one, cardio for beginners, expert weight loss. When is the best time? When is it necessary? Honestly, build the cardio into your program. If you can build it into the workouts, great. Like like a group training, Metcon stuff, I think is awesome. If you if you love lifting, then lift. And if you're only going to split them up, I would say probably do the aerobic work after would be the goal so it doesn't steal from your lifting. But if you like to do some of it for warm-up, cool, lift, then do the, the bulk of it afterwards. I'm fine with that as well. And again, it just depends. I like everything. I like biking, skiing, rowing. I like pushing sleds. I, I, I'm not, I don't hate treadmill work. I think you can do a lot of really good stuff in the treadmill. I'm not a huge elliptical fan. That's just me. But uh, all, they all have their place. They really do. If you use them correctly, I think they can all be great. And uh, it really just comes down to what the ultimate goal is, if it's performance or just vanity-based. And uh, that's why I like the the ski and the row and the bike because there's a lot of fun protocols, especially with the Concept 2 stuff with the rowing and the skiing. You can do a lot of different things where you can mix in you know, lifting, training, some sprint stuff, some, some medium range, and obviously some marathon type sessions as well. Next question, the importance of having a good mindset. It's everything, dude. It really is everything. The way that you look at the world and see it and feel about it is your reality and it is your truth. I don't think there's anything stronger than the way that you think about your life. You know, If you can have gratitude and perspective in this life about where you are and where you rank and what you've been given and all the gifts you have, it can change everything. And I truly believe that. And if you have a shitty mindset, you have a shitty life. And it's, it's as simple as that. Next one, lactic acid buildup and how to get rid of it after a workout. Now, I, I hear this stuff a lot. 
with the lactic acid stuff. And I'll say this really fast. Lactic acid, that they think the myth is it causes muscle soreness. And I don't know all the science, so I'm just going to spit this off here really quick. You know, uh, the, the lactate actually clears out of your system probably in about 30 minutes to an hour after working out. I don't think it's there for days. And people think, like, oh, my lactic acid's there four days later. I don't believe that. I think a majority is recycled and turned into energy. And it's a, the delayed onset muscle soreness, like that DOMS, right? When you hear people say DOMS, it's delayed onset muscle soreness, which is the result of microtrauma in the muscle tissue. Like you're kind of tearing the muscles as you work out, which a, which a byproduct is going to cause, obviously, inflammation. It's in the most exercise, you know, it, it can induce some sort of of soreness, uh, but exercise with the greater emphasis on lengthening and stretching the muscles. Um, how you, you know, if you're lunging and squatting and tearing and ripping the muscles, um, that's going to play a, a bigger role in how sore you are. You know, one, two, three days after a workout, as opposed to just a lactic acid buildup, which again I think is going to dissipate in the body within probably. 30 minutes to an hour. The science might be a little bit, you know, shorter or longer than that, but I think most of you guys, lactic acid is not the problem. It's going to dissipate within 30 minutes to an hour, but it's you guys with that DOMS creating the micro trauma and the micro tears in the muscles. You actually, when you're strength training, if you see me on YouTube right now and I put my fingers, you're actually ripping the muscles and tearing them. Then they're going to grow back and they're not going to go back, you know, in two seconds completely. So over time, there's going to be some inflammation and things that build up inside of that. And obviously, increasing the blood flow, foam rolling, stretching, going through space, eating, proper sleep is when we heal. That's going to help you guys, you know, feel uh, a lot fitter, a lot faster. Next one, uh, I think that's it. Other than I'll, I'll say this, the guy who asked earlier about the diet, the myths, uh, debunking that um, really fast. Um, I think Lane put this out there. It's, it's the infographic. Let me pull it up and see if I have it. It's a little, I wrote it down in my notes here. It's why, you know, why do diets work? And uh, there, there's so many myths and so many shits. We have, we already, I think we already have a podcast on diet myths or eating myths or things like that. And if not, we'll, we'll do another one because uh, there's a ton out there. But uh how do diets work? They all work the same uh, in essence. And like, so keto, right? How does, how does keto work? It reduces your calories by removing an entire macronutrient. Essentially, there is really no carbohydrates in keto or very, very few. Paleo, how does it work? It reduces your calories by causing you to focus on nutrient-rich, satiating foods. That's how paleo works. Intermittent fasting, which I love. How does it work? It reduces your calories by giving you less time to eat. So there's less chance you can fuck up in a day. It's, it's really simple. Um, and again, my life is very, I'm a very simple human. I'm very basic. I do a lot of stuff. I have a lot on my plate. So the more I can simplify everything in my life, the easier it's going to be. And A, the more successful I'm going to be at it. Next one, like the zone diet, right? It reduces your calories by filling you up with vegetables and low calorie fruits. And the rest of them, the other stuff, the detoxes, the lunar diet, which is a real fucking thing, which is insane to me. The alkaline diet, the blood type diet. Um, I think all of that shit is nonsense. And it's I'm just throwing it out there. If you're pissed off and you're doing detoxes or you're like on a lunar diet or on my alkaline diet or on my blood type diet, I think all of that is probably uh, bullshit. You might have some scientific stuff out there. If you guys do send it to me and I'll recant this and I'll say, hey, you know what? They, they sent me some really good scientific research, but I think a lot of that stuff is uh, complete horse shit. And I've said this before, you know, the diets work, you know, all the same for the most part. They work by reducing your, your calorie intake and none of them, you know, boost your metabolism magically or do anything that's, you know, unicorn-like, that's this mythical thing. It just doesn't exist. Uh, all diets work 
by reducing your calorie intake. So if fat loss is the goal, you're at a deficit. If you're trying to gain size, you're at a surplus. It's really no more complex than that. People want to sell and huck a lot of really crazy shit and do certain stuff, and I'm just not a fan of that. I don't believe in it, and I'm not going to sell you guys horse shit. We do different dieting protocols here um, to get people to try certain things to find out what works for their lifestyle, but I'm never going to claim it like you know, it ignites something crazy or does something faster, like speeds up the metabolism, does this like, no, um, you know, we can call things fat burning foods and we can do certain things like that. But at the end of the day, however you want to label it or do it, nothing's magic. And again, it comes back to my point earlier. If it was that revolutionary and amazing in 2019, we have so much access to information and things out there. We would already know about it. It's just it. And again, at the end of the day, you have to eat right. You have to train hard. You probably have to track macros. You have to get quality sleep. You have to simplify your life and not do things that cause you stress and cause you pain, but do things that bring you happiness and free up time in your life to, to let your brain be clear and like just think about what you want to do and, and how you want to feel and how you want to move. We're all trying to do 19 different things and understanding, obviously, controlling your flesh and being super fit and super lean is really hard to do. It's not an easy thing to do in this life. And uh, I think the, the older you guys get and the more you listen to me, you understand that like, wow, it's it's really tough to be the elite of the elite fitness. Just like it's really tough to make, you know, 1% Americans make $445,000 a year. It's really fucking hard to do. You got to work really hard. Like anything at the, the levels of mastery and the levels of that you would admire and, you know, see from afar, it, it takes a lot of work and a lot of effort. And I'm never going to snow you guys on that. Like anything I have in life that you guys think is cool or that I've done, I've had to die for it. Just like you have. If you're a doctor out there or a CPA or a lawyer, you have a college degree, you've raised some kids who are really good people. I'm sure it was really fucking hard for you to do. It wasn't easy. Like kids can be shitheads and they can grow up to be shithead adults. And so if they're not, respect to you as parents who put in the work and it's it's no different with fitness it's no different in eating it's all it's all really the same it's it's that black and white it's just it's that binary so hopefully you guys enjoyed that podcast uh and hopefully i got to all your questions i have a lot of podcasts on the docket and i got a lot of really cool people i need to bring on i just need to find times where their schedule works with my schedule because the people i want to bring on are just as busy as me they're rock stars and they got stuff going but i will get them here and we will do some really fun stuff with them and then i got a handful of really cool things i'm going to dig into as well including one that's going to come out in oh, what about i got about 10 days now i'm going to drop this podcast and you guys which i hopefully you'll share and that will be your uh, thank you to me so anyways that's a different note uh, i'm rambling on if you're in itunes right now stop don't be a lazy ass Drop me a five-star, please, and leave a comment. I love reading what you guys say. Even if you think I suck shit, uh, you can leave that as well. But if you appreciate it, I, I obviously like that even more. And then again, sharing this podcast with friends and family, tagging me on Instagram with it, um, giving it to whether you're a fitness professional, uh, whether it's your mom or your dad, brother, or sister, sharing it with them. If you can help them debunk some of the fitness myths and answer some of their questions if they're lost along the way, because I know there's a lot of information out there. And if you guys trust me and trust what I say, I try to give you the best info that I have at the time. And again, when I know better, I do better. When I get new stuff, I'll I'll share it with you and I'll try to answer your questions as best you can and give you things that create value in your life. So, uh, But if there's anything else you do want to hear on the podcast, send me a DM, shoot me an email. I will get to it. And if I've missed it to this point, shoot me an email with the title that says, Hey, Jeremy, idiot, give me this in the podcast in case I forgot because I get a lot of messages and things and I'm not perfect. I never claim to be. And so there is things that do slip through the cracks and I do miss but uh, if not, I will get to it as soon as possible. So have an amazing rest of your Sunday. I will drop you guys probably one more podcast this week. And until next time, 
eat well, train hard, be nice to people, and please keep doing shit you love with people you enjoy because your life is too short not to. I'll talk to you soon. Peace.